Welcome back to General Zen Napoleon, episode 37, General Blake and General Cuesta of the Royal Spanish Army. We have a special guest with us today, all the way from London, Josh Provan from Adventures in History Land. Say hello, Josh. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, no, my uh, audience will be super enthused because we are branching off from our usual Russian generals, British generals, and French generals, and we're going to talk about a different group of generals in the Napoleonic Wars, correct? That's absolutely correct, yes. Yeah. We're going to talk about Spanish generals in this episode, and um for those of you not familiar with Josh, he has a brilliant um, Adventures in History Land uh, YouTube page, as well as a blog, as well as a Twitter page. Can you kind of tell us what, what Adventures in History Land is about real quick, Josh? Uh, Adventures in History Land uh, can be uh, used as code for the, the, the muddled mind of the muddled mind of Lando. Lando <laughs> being my alter ego. Right. Uh, that I collected during the, the pandemic years yeah. Yeah. Um, because of Land of History, because I'm mm -hmm. at Land of, Land of History on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just a place I go where I, I want to do a bit of time traveling, really. Yeah, and some brilliant, uh, especially on the YouTube page, some brilliant videos on there. So um, if my audience is interested, I mean, just all kinds of topics on there, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I cover anything from ancient history right down to just before the well, and, and into the First World War. I, I specialize kind of in the 18th and 19th centuries, I guess, but yeah. I'll go anywhere. Okay. Well, I recommend Mayans check it out and check out your Twitter page as well. Um, for this episode, we're going to talk about two generals of the Spanish uh, Royal Army, and we're going to talk about Blake and Cuesta, who are, I think, two interesting guys, don't you? Yeah, they're very interesting guys, and I'm glad you used the term royal army here because there's there's kind of a, a difference as time goes on during the peninsular war you start off with the old royal army and then it becomes the the newer army after that one fades away yeah and there's generalissimos there's bandit chieftains it really it's kind of a, a guerrilla war after a while don't you think oh yes absolutely it's it's classically thought of as um you know a guerrilla war and since we're talking about spanish generals let's just quickly be really pedantic here and tell all the listeners that technically speaking a gorilla is a big ape <laughs> and right. a and a and a guerrilla is the is the guy is the partisan yeah the small but, war yep. exactly but nobody i mean it, it's it's gorilla in the english vernacular people understand what it is we're not going to be pedantic about it i just like to tell people that yeah no some people you know may not know that so i'm <laughs> glad we pointed that out uh well, let's discuss the Peninsula War as a whole very briefly. I know it was a six-year battle, basically from 1807, gosh, to 1813, 1814, depending on when you want to talk about the Spanish part of it. I know Napoleon invaded Portugal first, and then Spain. Um, what do you think the biggest challenge for the Allies was or against Napoleon? Why do you think they had, why did it take six years to evict him from the Peninsula? Oh, so so many reasons. Uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, the biggest challenge, I guess, overall would be the fact that uh, you're fighting a war in a country that had essentially ceased to exist mm -hmm. and was being rebuilt as aid arrived in the form of what was an ancient enemy in terms of what the Spanish 
the Spanish point of view. You know, they were right. old enemies of the British. Right. Um, and massive decentralization. You had uh, political unity was non-existent in Spain. The idea yeah. of popular war in itself mm-hmm. is a, is something of a myth. Like not everybody wanted to rise up and fight the French. Lots of these sorts of themes are why it took so long to to get anywhere. Right, and not only that, you know, the king and his court were basically imprisoned by Napoleon, so there was no head of state other than yeah. Joseph, Joseph Bonaparte, who obviously was working for his brother. So there really was no central government in place i'm glad you pointed that out oh yeah absolutely i mean the whole the whole hilarious road to hilarious and tragic road i should say to um you know the this war is um is a very fascinating story with the political movements with the king his son manuel godoy um napoleon napoleon's hatred of all the bourbons Yep. Um, you know, his the, the the coup that allows him to take control of the Spanish royal family and just spirit them away to <laughs> Bayonne. Um, yep. It's it's and, it's amazing. And it was really a comedy of errors, not only on the royal family part, but eventually Napoleon and his marshals as well. But we'll we'll get into that. Um, we're first going to discuss uh, Spanish General Blake, yep. um, who strikes me as an unlucky character similar to Marshall McDonald on the French side. What do you think about the general's overall abilities? Uh, Blake as a commander, I think his name is Joaquin Blake, actually. Because he was a, uh, a long serving soldier. He had a quite a long title. Mm-hmm. Um, he, but as commander of the army of Galicia, he can be construed as, I guess, a poor general. Mm-hmm. Um I did a I did a video with Charles Esdale, who is the leading English authority on the Peninsular War, um, and he very sort of frankly said that you know Spain did not produce a Wellington or a Napoleon. All of its generals were they never reached beyond a certain level, right. and. Blake is one of these guys. We should remember that the means at his disposal as well, right? Uh, and this, and the, the or the lack thereof, only encouraged his instinct for caution. Um, right. And no Spanish general commanded a force that had the money, training, or yep. experience yep. of the French army they were going to face. In fairness to you know Blake and Quest and the whole Spanish army was going against you know, armies that have defeated the Prussians and the Austrians, you know, Soult was a great uh, general, yeah. as was Suchet, as was Victor. And, you know, th- there were some good generals he was up against. So it's not like he was fighting some some amateurs out there. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, I, what was it Wellington said right before he went over to, to, to Portugal? He was talking about how um, the French had been excellent soldiers the last time he'd ever seen them in, in Flanders. And mm. like he said, what, 10, 15 years of victory under Bonaparte probably has made them better. And right. that's the army that the Spanish now have to deal with. Right. Right. A very tough army. So uh, as we get into Blake, I, I read that he was of Irish descent and he was born in Spain in August 1759 to an aristocratic family. Do we know much about his early life uh, growing up? Um, as much as uh, any Spanish general is known, 
and that's very little in English, to be honest. We we sort of know, like you say, his his background ish is a, a aristocratic family, so he was educated and was able to enter the army fairly early. And what we do know is, like many Celtic Catholic emigres, he prospered enough to join the army. And Blake saw service during the siege of Gibraltar, and in quotes the American Revolution, and but and he was. He was just, he was shining as an organizer in the 1770s, and he had been employed as a, a master, a, a trainer in in cadet schools as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he becomes a lieutenant in 1783, and then captain in 1793. So he's very slowly working his way up the ranks, and he battles the French. Yeah, he did. Um, when when the first uh, when the War of the First Coalition came out, it has a couple of names in Spain. They call it the War of the Pyrenees, the War of the Convention. Mm-hmm. Um, when that breaks out, he was serving um, at uh, as a Master of Cadets at the Academy of Puerto de Santa Maria in Cadiz, mm-hmm. and he left to join his regiment as a captain of Grenadiers. Um, this theater of the war, you know, this 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 war of the pyrenees is very interesting because it shows us that if they were well led mm-hmm. the spanish were still a force to be reckoned with especially at this time the commanding general was probably the last great spanish general uh before the peninsular war his name was um antonio ricardo mm-hmm. who is one of the outstanding military figures really in spanish history mm-hmm. at this point um and that war actually only began to go bad from the Span- for the spanish when he died and Blake therefore saw action with his regiment under this figure, and he was wounded. And then he was again employed as a trainer in the volunteer regiment of Castilla. But people should look into the War of the Pyrenees because it's very interesting for the comparison. It is, and, and neither army was supplied well. But it seems like it kind of went back and forth for a little while. Like there were Spanish victories and French victories. Definitely, yeah, yeah. So he eventually works his way up to general. So obviously he had some talent in 1808 uh, within the Spanish army. And then during Napoleon's big invasion of Spain, he and Cuesta, uh, who we're going to get to later, are defeated in the Battle of Medina de Rio Seco. Yep. Um, and I think that was under Marshal Bessier. And then later that year, he's defeated again by Marshal Lefebvre during Napoleon's big, where he's personally involved after, I believe, Balin. He says, all right, I'm going to get involved now. Yeah lead the army down there and uh that was that was a tough loss for the spanish because they had recaptured madrid and i guess mm-hmm. napoleon pushed them back out yeah they did the early side of the peninsula war is just you know to use a british expression bonkers mm-hmm. um you know first of all you have the french just utterly dominating everything mm-hmm. um they win these early victories really easily you know and and then Bailen happens and it's just impossible to, to, for people to comprehend that yeah. an entire French army has just surrendered to the Spanish. Yeah. And not only that, but the French are repelled from the border fortresses. Yeah. And they actually have to all run for it behind the Ebro when Joseph abandons Madrid. So, yeah, it's it's amazing period. Um, Blake did have talent, definitely. Mm-hmm. Though I don't think he was ever particularly comfortable uh, for as a battlefield commander. Uh, he was also hamstrung, I think, by the politics. Um, and so, for instance, when Blake's army of Galicia and Cuesta's army of Castile united, 
mm-hmm. Blake was given secret instructions by the Junta of Galicia not to submit to Cuesta, even mm-hmm. though Blake was junior to him in rank. <laughs> and this is why the two commanders could not coordinate properly and resulted in the true... It was really disastrous, the disaster at Medina de Rio Seco. Um, yeah. And Bessier just, just slapped them around the field. Yeah, um, Blake... I mean, Blake, despite that, Blake did show rare moments of tactical insight when an opportunity arose that kind of overcame his natural caution. Yeah, um, yeah. he scored a victory against Marshal Victor, uh, well, his uh, advance guard under General Balat at the Battle of Valmaceda. Mm-hmm. So he, he, he did have some successes here and there. Yeah, definitely. And um, given the, you know, the sparse resources that Spain had to use at the beginning of the war. You know, he's he's definitely not um, untalented. Mm-hmm. And just to touch on Bailen again, I mean, that was kind of a shock across Europe that Napoleon's undefeated army could be defeated. in a, even, even though it was General DuPont, uh, even though it was second-rate troops, uh, it was still a large defeat, as you mentioned. Yeah, the the thing about the thing about it is that um, you know Dupont could have had, but yeah, they were second rate troops, but that doesn't necessarily to, to French minds that didn't matter. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, Napoleon was appalled. Yeah, it didn't matter if they were garrison troops or what; they were still his soldiers. They were the, you know, they were his eagles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and you know, General Castaños, which maybe we'll talk about in another episode. Yeah, um, he he made, I mean, he made the right calls. But yeah, Dupont spent the rest of uh, the empire sitting in a jail cell after that. So yeah, mm-hmm. that was tough. Um. Uh, in 1809, though, uh, Blake, getting back to our protagonist, he scores a victory against Marshal Suchet at the Battle of Alcanith. And um, that's that's kind of surprising because Suchet was one of the best generals at the time. Yeah. Su- so, I mean, Suchet is definitely a talented general. Mm-hmm. Although I think it's always useful to remember with Suchet that, firstly, people like to point him out as sort of a shining star because he became a marshal quite mm-hmm. late. Um, so he gets overshadowed, and people want to reveal him as, as you know, a, a, you know, the unsung hero of the Marshallite. Right. Um, so he gets overshadowed, and it's also very interesting that he won his baton in Spain, a place associated with disasters. Right. Um, and that people that gives people the idea that he he sort of alone knew what he was doing there, whereas yeah. everybody else didn't. However, right. on top of that, let's remember that he is the only French senior commander who never fought Wellington in open battle. True. So in light of those considerations, I think any French marshal and most generals de division were technically a match for Blake. But the fact that he scores a victory off one of the most talented, Suchet, shows that mm-hmm. he, like what we said before, he has, he has moments, even as an underdog, 
and and the French overconfidence when fighting the Spanish just leads the even the best of them to trip up, and I think Blake managed to take a limited advantage of that. Yeah, and Blake was brave, uh, no doubt. But like you were saying earlier, that you know the competing agendas of the juntas, you know, uh, you know, we don't want our troops fighting for Galicia. We don't want our troops fighting for Cadiz or, or the different areas. You know, like mm. there was a lot of that going on, I think, because there was no central command where, um, you know, Napoleon was the central command for the French. I think that was kind of an uphill battle for Blake. Yeah, it was. I think so. Um, we've mentioned the factionalism between the juntas, and they really undermined undermined the generals. Um, and I mean, I mean, the priority of the juntas was different. Mm. They were this. They were this. I mean, the civilian authorities, unfortunately, were calling the shots, and they all had different agendas. Right. Um, so that didn't make things easy for the generals. And uh, in 1810, after many humbling defeats of the Spanish army under all of their generals, a general staff was created and Blake participated and supported its creation, correct? Uh, yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. he, he was, like I said, he liked to train people. He liked to organize. This is very much uh, a Blake idea. Well, I think it's critical because they didn't really have a comprehensive battle plan before this. I think they were just kind of putting fingers in the dam wherever Napoleon's troops appeared. Yeah, um, it's it's an interesting thing. So between between eighteen oh nine and eighteen eleven, pretty much the Spanish army kind of ceases to exist and has to be properly rebuilt. Right, and it just so happens that in this time you're all, you're getting the French really kind of more occupied in trying to attack Portugal, mm -hmm. which I guess gives them a bit of breathing space to try and think up some stuff. Right. But at the same time, they have, you know, there's local militias and yeah. like you said earlier, guerrillas raiding, um, you know, messengers and supply trains and that kind of thing. Well, exactly. This is this is the this is the point. Exactly. Um, we were we spoke we were talking about it a little at the beginning. You get the you know, this is sort of like the end of the old royal army properly. Mm -hmm. you know? And now you have the new army be, beginning to be formed again. Mm -hmm. And the general and staff is a big step forward. Yeah, and I think it, it, it uh, produces fruit pretty quickly. In 1811, Blake fights alongside the British at the Battle of Albuera against Soult's uh, stiff battle. And although it was inconclusive, the Spanish under Blake really showed their mettle in that battle, correct? They did, yeah. Um, Albuera is a great achievement for the Spanish army. Blake was the commanding general of the Spanish forces and had successfully led his army to join uh, Marshal Beresford. Um, apparently Marshal Soult didn't know. I mean, he, by the way, also we should say Soult gets a terrible reputation, but he was actually one of the best generals fighting in Spain. Yep. Um, but with Blake, it wasn't weirdly enough. It wasn't his personal direction, which is notable during the French attack. We should note that, um, though he, he did get his men to where they needed to be the tactics, uh, the, the actual fighting, uh, was down to General Zayas's brigade, which faced down two French divisions almost alone, mm -hmm. and um, that was a, a big moment for the Spanish army. Yeah, and I, I I don't think Wellington he wasn't at the scene of this battle, but he was none too pleased with what happened at Albuera. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I believe the British government commended the Spanish after the battle. Correct? They did. Yeah, uh, Wellington specifically was 
took issue with Beresford's state of mind after the battle. Beresford was very, very upset about the losses he had sustained. Mm -hmm. And he wrote this woeful dispatch, um, which Wellington said, do it again, write me a victory. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because he knew that you can't send disappointing news back to the government because they'll pull the funding, basically. But yeah, it worked because... When news returned to Parliament, they offered a vote of thanks, which was typical. As, mm-hmm. But as Beresford was the supreme commander in the field, uh, he and was also the marshal of the Portuguese army, the government felt that it was proper to acknowledge the role played by that of Spain as well. And, mm-hmm. and Lord Liverpool moved at the House, in addition to uh, the British and Portuguese troops, and uh, I can quote, to highly approve and acknowledge the meritorious conduct, the skill and valor displayed by the Spanish army under the commander General Blake on the 16th of May last in the glorious battle of El Puera. <laughs> um, but again, you know, this Z- General Zayas and Ballesteros actually did most, most of the work and actually Blake's performance in this battle is, is unclear and generally right. open to criticism. Right. But I think just the fact that, you know, in previous battles, the Spanish were either slaughtered, as you said, knocked around the field. But in this battle, they kind of stood their ground, you know, regardless oh, yeah. of who, who was the general. But, um, yeah, I just I think Marshal Soult almost had Beresford and that. Oh, yeah. At the beginning, Zayas's brigade was the only thing stopping the French from from just rolling right in to the rear of the British army, really. Mm hmm. Yeah, and uh, I think that was just a critical, like I said, it was an inconclusive battle. You know, obviously, Sult retreated to, I guess you could say, the British held the field, but it was it was just good to see the Spanish, you know, re, re kind of, like you said earlier, rebuilding their army and having a, a good show in the field. Mm-hmm. So from there, I guess, you know, Blake is alongside, you know, the general staff, and obviously the French are evicted finally in 1813, 1814. And then once the peninsula is free. What happens to Blake? Uh, does he have a career after the Napoleonic Wars? Yeah, he 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 um, lasts since the eighteen in the eighteen twenties, um, and he holds several important military administrative administrative positions, which he's pre- pretty happy about. Mm-hmm. So he goes on after the Napoleonic Wars for a, a fair stretch. Okay, and he passes in eighteen twenty seven. Um, yeah. I just want to get your feeling. Do you think? He was necessarily a bad general, or do you think he just lacked the troops, equipment, and supplies to win on a regular basis? Um, maybe a bit of both. Uh, Blake was a good general in an organizational sense, and mm-hmm. he seems to have been a, a reliable as an instructor. Mm-hmm. But although he won some small battles, his record shows that he's very cautious, sometimes indecisive, um, and the French were able to take advantage of this. So it, it his battle record isn't great. Mm-hmm. That being said, it is entirely fair to point out that he didn't have any of the things you just mentioned really at the beginning, <laughs> all of which would have increased his chances of a better battlefield performance. Yeah, indeed. Well, let's move on now to Giorgio Garcia de la Cuesta, yep. who was born to a northern Spanish family of lower nobility in 1741. Uh, what do we know about Cuesta? What, what was his early life like? You know, it's kind of fascinating. There's there's honestly very little written about his life between his joining the guards in 1758 mm-hmm. and his service in the War of the Pyrenees. Literally, everything I've re- I read up to this point, or had time to read, I should have you know, 
my my <laughs> my bad if I didn't do my homework properly. No but all, all the stuff that I read, basically, you'd think nothing happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, he's just kind of a. I mean, like you said, he joins the uh, Royal Guards uh, in 1758, and then 1793 is a lieutenant general in the War of the Pyrenees. So yeah, it's just a yawning gap that nobody cares, has cared to fill in. In yeah. all of the books that I have, I'm quite astounded (laughs) that i couldn't find any it's all i mean i'm tempted to say that that means that he didn't see a shot fired in anger yeah until 1793 maybe it was just on garrison duty that whole time who knows but uh, but at the 1793 battle of uh, i believe it's couleur he fights a masterful action killing or wounding or capturing four thousand french troops at the loss of only 300 of his own troops so he must have had some talent early on yeah, I mean, like I said, like we said at the like earlier, people should really look at the operations of uh, General Ricardo in this mm-hmm. war and be comparing it to what followed in eighteen oh eight. And mm-hmm. Cuesta, you know, commanded a division, I think, and both at army level and at divisional level, the Spanish used really quite technical and complicated maneuvers to fight the French. It's very difficult terrain in this part of the world. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. Lots of valleys and stuff and rivers. And while Ricardo was alive, they were rewarded with successes like this. And it was a masterful action. And it shows that the Ancien Regime had a lot of talented generals who mm-hmm. were just getting too old by the time Napoleon came around to really make an, impre- an impression. Um, and yeah, Christ, he- there was one of these guys. He wins again in 1795 at the Battle of Biscara. Um, so, unfortunately, this seems to be the high point of his career. Yeah, it seems that way. In hindsight, well, it, it looks like that, yeah. Um, but at the time, actually, I, I think it, it probably seemed like the end of his career anyway. Right. Um, firstly, because of his age. Mm-hmm. And secondly, due to the wider kind of disappointments being experienced by the Spanish army in that war. By this point, Ricardo had died on active service in 1794, still mm-hmm. a year to fight, and the French got the upper hand. And uh, and that battle was actually fought, um, I think, after peace was was yep. agreed. Yep. It was one of those unfortunate battles that you know nobody knew they didn't have to fight. Yeah, like the and, New Orleans or the Battle so, of the... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, uh, Manuel Godoy, who was the, the chief minister at the time, didn't like Cuesta and was able to have him removed from command and block him from appointments pretty much until 1805. Uh, Uh, Cuesta's capable performance in the war with France did mean, though, that he was able to become president of the Council of Castile in 1796. uh, He was probably just setting himself up for retirement at that point. Yeah, and then, unfortunately, (laughs) Napoleon invades Spain in 1808 and Cuesta is 67 years old at this time. Yeah. So probably his best years were behind him, but I guess they employed him because of his earlier successes against the French. Probably, and and the fact that he was just the senior Spanish general in in the army at that time. I mean, in eighteen oh eight, Cuesta I think was commander in chief in Old Castile, like captain general. I think. Yeah, I read and, that he was reluctant yeah. to lead again, though. But uh, I guess the the crowd outside of his house erected a gallows. <laughs> The partisans did, and, and basically they were indignant that he wouldn't command. So basically, it was you're going to be a general, we're going to hang you, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> I mean, 
that's a really fun story. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I I, your... I, yeah, I, I'm a little, I, I'm a little skeptical about it. Yeah. Um, this is from Omen, I think. Oh, is that an story? Okay. I think so. I think that, I mean, that's where I found it Yeah. when I looked it up. Yeah. And as a result, it can't easily be corroborated. Yeah. Um, now, Omen, Omen had a truly dim view of Quester. He called mm. him a general of the old school, uh, of the most, I think he said, unintelligent and brainless sort. Oh, <laughs> and just from that sweeting judgment alone, I'm inclined to reject the idea he had to be threatened to serve. Right. Uh, case in point, he was um, offered the post of Viceroy of New Spain by Joseph Bonaparte. And oh. so that he was going to be given the rulership of Mexico. Okay. I mean, good luck with that, by the way, because the Spanish colonies are in uproar at the minute anyway. But <laughs> for whatever reason, Quester turned it down flat. Yeah. Probably now, good. Yeah. I mean, it's probably a good move either way. But but look at it this way Quester knew the army inside out. He was in a high position, mm -hmm. him a really wide view of what was going on. He didn't like it at all. So. He knew there was an army of sorts, but he could see it was split up in districts. The funding was non-existent. Mm -hmm. The French already had effective control over the country. And he was a regular professional soldier. And nothing yeah. about the situation looked like a job for a regular professional soldier. Yeah. Um, and But it, it seems quite clear that he was also a patriot and that the crowds more likely clamored for him to lead. Mm -hmm. rather than threatened him yeah and and he agreed and he recruits like seven thousand men to yeah. train up to be in his army yeah no it's an interesting uh backstory there um his first engagement uh, ends in a loss but he finds success at Badajoz, correct he does yeah quest yeah. had to call on immense levels of grit and determination i think between 1808 and 1809 um, his army was indeed defeated from the start, uh, and when he joined forces with Blake, uh, Marshal Bessier trounced them at Medina de Rio Seco. Really bad defeat, that one. Yeah. Um, but Spain was saved by Castaños and Bailén and the defenses of Girona and, um, you know, all the, all, the, all the cities. Why can't I remember the famous siege? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. made of Saragossa, yes. Saragossa. Saragossa stuff like that um but then of course oh yeah napoleon now personally intervenes yeah. um madrid falls yeah um which in a weird way is actually kind of lucky for cuesta because in that interim mm -hmm. after the bylen and stuff he he had tried to unify the army command and sort of like over like go over the heads of the quarreling hunters and place himself at the head of the army mm. But actually, that just got him arrested. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work out. Yeah, yeah. So when Madrid fell, he was he became commander of the army of Estremadura, and yeah, he had some success in sort of clearing clearing the house around Badajoz. Yeah. No, he did well there. But then in March of 1809, he's defeated at Medellin but against uh, Victor. Yeah. He's a pretty grievously wounded. Do you know what happened there? Yeah, yeah. Um, so Cuesta was tasked to strike a blow against the French, and this, this suited him very well because he was by nature quite aggressive. Mm -hmm. And so he met Victor, and he had superior infantry numbers but weaker cavalry and artillery. Mm -hmm. 
and at Medellin, he decided to offset the enemy advantage in cavalry by stretching the line so that it was anchored between two rivers. Mm. And so it would be difficult to outflank, but very thin as a result. To offset that again, he apparently drew up his infantry in either four to six ranks deep to allow them to repel cavalry. Mm-hmm. Now, think about this for a second. This, this, these are precautions you would only use if your men are quite poorly trained and right. cannot conduct maneuvers under pressure, i.e. I don't think he thinks that they can form a square. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. See that's that's I mean? the of your troops, or at least your belief in your troops. Yeah, yeah he, he's trying to, he's, it's almost medieval. He's trying to basically allow them to do as little as possible and win. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, he advanced. Uh, and to everybody's surprise, actually, the Spanish infantry marched forward bravely and began repelling French counterattacks. Mm-hmm. Um, the French skirmishers were completely overwhelmed by just these hordes of Spanish uh, militiamen, I guess. Yeah. And even a cavalry charge was driven back. So it seemed yeah. to be working. And but... Victor may well have lost the battle, right. but his cavalry did make break, breakthroughs on the flanks, and he had much superior artillery. And they, they mauled those dense formations really badly. And when panic set in amongst the Spanish infantry, they just ran away en masse without hope of rallying. And yep. like it was really open ground now, and it became a slaughterhouse, like 10,000 casualties or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, Quest, Quest but, was shot in the foot. Yeah, and then trampled by cavalry. Yeah, he was trampled and concussed. And his nephews, I think, and his British liaison officer, General Durbin, had to rescue him. So, yeah. yeah. That's terrible. Well, I guess he recuperates from there because he joins forces with the British Army under the Duke of Wellington. But relations with the Duke are, I'll just say, icy (laughs) Uh, or or just not cordial, I I should say. Uh, Icy is fair enough. Uh, (laughs) Icy and not too cordial is is fairly accurate, I think. Well, Um, I get both sides of this argument, though, because, you know, Wellington's there. He's like, look, we're here trying to, you know, win this battle for you, but you're not supplying us. But then Quest is probably thinking, well, I can barely supply my own troops. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? This is exactly the point. The Spanish are just not capable of supplying the British at this time. Not even the French can supply themselves right. in this in this part of the, the country. Yeah. And the British just completely failed to understand that not only the time frame was much longer for adequate supplies to be gathered, but the Valley of the Targus, like where the Talavera campaign campaign was fought, was mm-hmm. a poor region even before it had been pillaged. Right. So I think this is an unavoidable problem. Um, and it was actually, I, I really think it was much less a matter of supplies that made things difficult, but the conflicting personalities of Wellesley, as he was then, just mm-hmm. before Talavera, and Cuesta, mm-hmm. uh, neither of whom trusted the other, nor was there a practical basis to to do so. You know, the British had the lowest possible opinion of the Spanish, and the Spanish felt the British were just essentially there to loot their towns and run away whenever the French advanced, like they had done Demur at Coruña. Correct. So, you know, it was a miracle this campaign happened at all, let alone, you know, that the Allies survived it. (laughs) Yeah, and um, later Wellington was furious when he heard Cuesta had abandoned injured British soldiers. Do you know what happened there? I mean, it's all well and good for Wellington to complain that Cuesta abandoned the wounded. Mm. But, I mean, Wellington, 
you know, that's probably Wennington's guilty conscience as play because it was his his decision to leave his wounded in the care of the Spaniards, right? Knowing full well the state of the Spanish army, right? Uh, which he had complained at length about for the entirety of the campaign. Um, Cuesta, for his part, was not an, he wasn't an unfeeling monster, but he was unable to prosecute the campaign after Wellington retreated to Portugal. Right. And Cuesta was just as furious at being abandoned as Wellington was at Spanish inefficiency. You know, the British yeah. had gone away again. Yeah. Now hearing you talk about it, I can see why it took six years to evict the French. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I uh, just, you know, the, the Spanish didn't trust the British, the Portuguese didn't trust the Spanish. And it was just a lot of, it sounds like a lot of distrust all around on the Allied side. Oh, massive distrust. It, it takes them ages to get a working kind of um, practical alliance going rather than just a, a, a sort of a bunch of independent people fighting the same enemy. Right, right. And um, in 1810, I guess our friend Cuesta suffers a stroke. And what happens to this guy? Well, he, he dies, I think it's in 1811. Um, and he he sort of fades from memory because he dies in the middle of the war. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he gets overshadowed by everybody else. Um, and then he just, his, he gets character assassinated by the British. Um, he is the archetype useless Spaniard. Um, and that has been his reputation for a very long time. I, but, you know, I, that may be, you know, he might have been a hopelessly proud, arrogant guy. But what are your overall thoughts on it? It sounds like he, he kind of knew what he was doing, at least in the uh, War of the Pyrenees. Like he, he has military talent. It just sounds like he, did, again, same thing with Blake. He just didn't have the supplies or the troops or the, um, you know, abilities to, to fight the French off. Yeah, I think that's absolutely the case. Um, in a weird way, I actually think he was a more capable all-round commander than Blake, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of weird to say because he, because unlike uh, unlike uh, Blake, he didn't actually like win any sort of notable battles against the French in this war. Um, yeah. Except Tal- like, he can claim some credit with Talavera because he his men were in the field there as well, but. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I I agree with Charles Esdale, who rates him as one of the like the top Spanish generals, just because okay. he's so experienced, he knows what he's doing, and he's completely hamstrung from doing what he wants to do. Yeah, by well, the political situation, and you know, dealing with Wellington is also very prideful. And oh yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, I'm a I'm a fan of Wellington myself, um, yeah. but there's no doubting you had to play his game. You had to play it his way, mm-hmm. and Cuesta wanted obviously. I mean, you, you can't have Cuesta. You know, he's concussed. He's limping. He's he's got an army. He does. He can't really properly command because of his own political masters. And he's got this young British general telling him what he's supposed to do with his army. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. Right. The egos. Not, not only those two men, but all the supporting generals of Wellington and all the supporting generals of Cuesta. There's a lot of egos in the room. Definitely. Yeah, sounds like um, uh, not a lot of cooperation going on. But uh, hey, in the end, you know, it worked out and the French were evicted. It just took longer probably than anyone wanted it to. Yeah, and the Spanish army by no means is one of the best armies, like regular armies in the the Peninsular War. 
or anything mm. like that, or, or even the Napoleonic Wars, but it has been given such a bad reputation without context by mm. most British authors who just parrot back a lot of the the sort of um, uh, xenophobic ideas and critical ideas that the British had at the time, mm-hmm. uh, which is is quite unfair given what they had to deal with. Yeah, I mean, they had no head of government. Uh, you know, they were undersupplied. There was probably no money coming to them. I mean, the mm. central bank was in shambles. So, I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel bad for the Spanish army. They fought bravely. Um, mm. Sometimes they were well-led. Sometimes they were poorly led. But they, it seems to me they, they fought bravely throughout the Peninsula War. They did. They did. And if we do any more, um, you know, episodes about Spanish generals, maybe we'll get into how they do you know, later in the later war. Yeah. 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 The later campaign, 1813, 1814. Sure. Well, I think this was very informative. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I do want to give a shout out one more time for adventures in history land on YouTube and Twitter. I recommend everyone check it out. And Josh, I I appreciate you coming on the show. No, I I was very happy to be invited a really really fun show yeah anytime i appreciate the time and um hope to have you on back soon uh i will come back anytime thank you so much